Thank you, Father. Everybody just lift your voice and say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Say, I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Say, I don't belong to this world. I don't belong to the devil. I don't belong to myself. I've been purchased with a price. The precious blood has made me free. I always tell people, you're not a renter Christian. You know what? They, you have that renter mentality. You know, if you can't pay your bill every month, if you can't pay up, you're going to get at, evicted. But no, the price was paid in Hallelujah. full. Hallelujah. <laughs> I love what Romans 1.16 says. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know all of you who clapped, you really wanted to say something with your voice. Hallelujah. I think you're going to get it by the time we leave here. Oh, what did she say? God. What did she say? I'm not a renter Christian. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. I'm telling you, there is a scripture in Hebrews seated. that talks about how you create your world with your words. With your words. The world, by, by faith we understand that the worlds were created by the word of God. Your words. The worlds were created. In other words. Your world. Did I just say that? Okay, yeah, you did. Praise the Lord. I thought I'd repeat it. You okay, know. thank you so much. Repeat, repeat. Here we go. Oh, hallelujah. No, but, oh, glory to God. You know, sometimes people wonder about people who get happy in church, and I always wonder about people who don't. Yeah. Because really... I mean, the Bible says go into all the world and preach the gospel. How many of you know what gospel means? Good news, glad tidings. One translation, joyful, joyful message. So you kids, when you go to school and they say, what church did you go to? And they say, well, you guys speak in those tongues? And you say, you, they say, you speak in tongues? You look at them and go, you don't? You mean Whoa. you don't? You mean you don't? Oh. You go to church on Monday night? You, you mean you, you don't? don't? You know what I'm saying? It's just not a standard that you're trying to rise up to. It's one you refuse to go beneath. Hallelujah. That's what happens, you know, when you understand what God has done. One thing it does is it makes you more aware of what's right, what God has done. The righteousness of God, the Bible says. He's in Romans 1.16, which I was going to finish quoting, uh, but I got uh, stalled. But I'm on my way now. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. You know, sometimes people think they just need more, God, uh, more, more power. And I like what T.L. Osborne always says. You know, you say, well, I just need more power. But really, what you really need is more gospel. Because the gospel is the power of God. And every sermon in the book of Acts, 10 particularly, that were preached by Peter and Paul, each one of them emphasized three things. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Interesting, a lot of people want to preach today and want to have a, 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 a seemingly righteousness, you know, being all right. I'm all right. Everything's all right. You're all right. We're all right. But they don't want you to talk about the, the death, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But the Bible says in Romans 1.16 that the gospel is the power of God. And in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. One translation says, man, God's way of making man right is uncovered. Woo, glory to God. So I'm just here to tell you, I'm a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if there was ever a time when we need to be strong with the gospel, the good news, which makes you glad, you say, well, what I know about Jesus doesn't make me glad. Well, then you don't know the gospel. <laughs> 
I don't know what you know, but it's not gospel because the gospel makes you glad. Doesn't mean there aren't issues that are involved that are maybe sad, but the good news is he makes you glad. Hallelujah. So we're the people who have a joyful sound, who have a joyful song. We're the preachers of the gospel. Go into all the world and preach. Just somebody get out and talk about who Jesus is, what he did in his death. The Bible said that we were crucified with him, that he, when he died in Ephesians 2, that we died with him. So in other words, he didn't die for himself. See, people are trying to, you know, the only religion in the world with a Savior is Christianity where there is someone who took your place and you say what did he take my place he became sin for you so that you could be made the righteousness of God in him I'm talking these are the things that cause miracles signs wonders people who are sad to get happy people who are disappointed to have hope for their future because they know that their sin has been taken care of that Jesus paid the price for their sin and he rose again his death his burial separated you from it and he rose again you have been delivered hallelujah 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 oh go ahead lift your voice Oh, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you for whatever it is you need right now. Say, that's, that's, that's mine. Lift your voice. Whatever it is you need right now, you thank the Lord that you have it. Yes, it's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. Oh, hallelujah. 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 I like that thing that says, that verse in our song that says, that says, uh, what does it say about the world bringing stuff to you? Uh, the world bringing stuff, you know, in, in Call Me Redeemed. Oh, oh um, in Call Me Redeemed. But you lift your voice and say, everything's going to be all right. No matter what the world. What will you say to all that life brings? Yeah, what will you say? What will you say to all that life brings? When God is on your side. You know, when God is on your side. What? You know, the, the, but, but, but it's, what do you say? That's what he says in, in the New Testament. I'm not making this up. What, Romans 8. What shall we say, what shall we say then? To all these things. So I don't talk to things. Well, maybe you should start. Remember, I want you to use your voice as much as possible. I want you to get in the habit of using your voice. when you. What shall we say to all these things? What things? Well, you know, when you get the divorce paper, when you hear somebody's died in your family, when you hear there's a recession coming to the world, you know, when, when it looks like there's, there's nothing, what do you say to all these things? When you find out your, your kid's backslidden on drugs, what do you say to all these things? When the enemy attacks your body and you, you know, you have a stroke or something, what do you say to all these things? What do we say to all these things? Hey, I'm telling you. I'm, uh, listen, we were uh, uh, we on September 11th. You can be seated. We we were going to. I, I still wanted a little bit of shouting, Ray. So just kind of. I just want to. I don't want. The, I don't want to soft just yet. I'm thinking somebody in here needs to just go bananas over the over the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Somebody needs to shout and quit looking at me. Don't look at me. Look above. Do something. Close your eyes. Do something else. Go. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. You said, what are you trying to do? You know, you just, somebody come in here and, well, you know, you just trying to make people, you know, look silly. Feel good. Make people, no, you yes, already you did that betcha. without us. You betcha I'm trying to make you. I'm trying to make you see that you got a whole lot more to rejoice about than you do to cry about. Amen. September 11th, we, we've been in New Jersey and we've been preaching at a Rhema. Um, September 8th, 9th, and 10th, we've been in New Jersey. 2001, and we had done a uh, we had done a ministers conference, a Raymond ministerial conference, and then we had gone to this church, and uh, so that Tuesday, September 11th, we were all going to go in to the World Trade Center. Uh, we were actually we were going to go to um, we were going to get on a ferry from New Jersey and ride the boat, land at Battery Park, and usually the first thing at Battery Park, you, if anybody's ever been there, usually you walk around. There's the World Trade Center right there. And Ray hadn't gone to the top, and we'd gone there once, and and so you know more than likely that's where we would have ventured first because it's on the way to Chinatown and all the other places. And, and that'd be the first place. We're closest to that. And the time that we'd have to catch the ferry, we would have landed there at Battery Park. 840, something like that, you know. And so then a little five-minute walk around to the, to the place. But the night before, Lois uh, says, um, she says, you know, uh, the pastor said, now, you know, he's Italian, and he was in the mafia, and he got born again. Now he's a pastor. <laughs> he says, now, you know, we got to go early. You know, he's, you know. Really into it, you know. Uh, New York, I love New York, you know. We gotta get, but anyway. And so, um, so Lois, she, she just all of a sudden she says, I don't want to go. Now, we'd been planning this, we flew into Newark, the same airport that the, the, the terrorists had, and we were going to fly out of that normally. If we'd flown out of there Tuesday, we would have been there. But so, and so normally I would have argued because, you know, New York, New York. Broadway. So in other words, instead of and flying so, out on September 11th from New York, we had my changed. mother was raised in New York. My grandmother we went to we had changed our reservation. Let me finish your thoughts anyway. Without a high school education, wait a minute, Lois. Without a high school education, and um, she had you know with, with Leonard Bernstein and stuff, and graduated with him. And <laughs> a, so my people were all show. Preacher. My people are all show people. You understand? So I wanted to go. I always loved to go to New York. So instead of flying on September 11th, we flew out on September 12th. We were supposed to. <laughs> okay. So what happened is I looked at Lois. Now, the miracle of this whole thing, she heard and said, I don't want to go. The other miracle, I would have gone anyway. And I looked at her and I said, okay. I didn't argue. That was the miracle. That was the miracle. We did not argue. And so, so the next morning they called and they said, call, they said, turn on the TV and look what was going on. We had this feeling come over because we, we saw the smoke from where we were, the, our hotel. Oh man, I just went, God, Jesus. Then right at, within an hour, I get a phone call and they said, we just took your diagnosis and you've been diagnosed with cancer. And I went, oh. Praise the Lord. <laughs> okay. We can handle this. You know why? Because first of all, I knew I had his word. And the Lord told me to go get that check. Nobody else told me to. Brother Hagen was ministering in a meeting to a bunch of ministers. We were sitting over on the other side. He said, somebody, he said, you got cancer over here. And he said, just speak to it and do what I did. Tell it to leave. And a word in a, by the Spirit, 
in faith by the Spirit, it'll go. Well, I remember that word and I thought, well, maybe I better go to the doctor. Now, what? he wasn't talking to me. But I thought, I'm going to go to the doctor. I went in August, September, we got the phone call. I said, okay. Healing belongs to us. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was, he was, he was, um, um, uh, by his stripes, we were healed. He was what? Wounded for our transgressions. Wounded for our transgressions. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we were healed. First Peter 2.24 says, looking back to Isaiah 53, where he said, we are. He said, we were. We were. What do you say? You understand? Faith is made for the conflict. That's what it's made for. Sometimes now, people say, well, I, I was in faith. I didn't expect this. Well, that's exactly what it's made for. Now, I believe in divine healing, but I also believe get it any way you can. I believe in divine healing. I believe in speaking the word and getting it from God's word. But I also believe in doctors. You have to be careful because some people don't. But I do. I believe get, get all the help you can to stay and preach. Unless you're satisfied. And when you're satisfied, go home. Does that make any sense? When Brother Hagin, when he left, he said, If you hear I'm gone, you'll know I was satisfied. <laughs> he said, I always want to have a good breakfast and leave. And that's what he did. He had a breakfast, looked at Aretha, and went home. <laughs> wow, what a way to go. Isn't that great? He said, weren't you sad? Well, you know, I was crying because he was a general and a leader, but he's, he's not sad. <laughs> and so, and I thought about it for a moment. I thought, what if I'd gone in? What if we had been there? And then I started thinking, on September 11th. On September 11th. I thought, oh, what if we had been there? You know, my heart went, oh, what if we'd been there? And then I went, wait a minute. I wouldn't have cared. I'd been in heaven. I'm ready for that day, too. How about I mean, you? now my family, my friends might have been sad. Maybe. I don't know. A man Maybe is a fool to prepare for, <laughs> should not prepare for the inevitable. But I wouldn't have been sad. I'd been going, wow. Are you prepared? This is what I'm waiting for. I'm prepared. But now my friends would have been sad. I think I told him to cry just a little bit, um, but not too long. <laughs> just say, wasn't she wonderful? Show a real dramatic video. Wasn't she wonderful? Wonderful. She was wonderful. And then they can start laughing. Um, I, I know y'all. I know y'all. I don't know why I think like I do. I must be. And believe me, if I can preach, any y'all can preach. I'm telling you, if I can do it, you can do it. But I said, you know, Lord, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. But I got healed. I had one small operation, and uh, that was it. The doctor said, I got good news and bad news. I said, well, just give me all the news. He said, well, you got it, but it's contained. You've had it for 10 years. I went, that's a miracle. That was a miracle right there. I thought, don't you think? And I went, praise the Lord. He said, won't take but a second. If you want the operation, we'll take it out. That's it. I said, I'll never have another problem with it as long as I live. He said, Okay. But when I was on my way to the doctor, I kept reading my radiation. Not your radiation. You kept reading your confession. No, you your, heard what I said. I on, kept reading oh, my well, radiation. On, okay. I read my operation. I read it over and over. I, the Lord said, if I spoke to this mountain, you'd have to move. And I'm telling you, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, you can't stay on my body. You understand? 
I read it all the words, way. In other words, that was her power that was penetrating her tumor. That was it. That's what I was using. You understand. One girl picked me up. She said, oh, she said, I hope it's not hurting you. I said, oh, it ain't hurt me. I said, I'm taking it right now. And I said it all the way. Praise the Lord. Praise That's God. why I say, in the, right in the face of the enemy, I dance and shout. Even with tears coming down your cheeks, regardless of what's going on, even if they take your house, you just say, devil, you won't have the next one. Maybe you slipped on me this time, but man, you ain't going to have my next one. Amen. Oh, even with tears, oh, I'm free. I'm blessed. Oh, I got my home. Yes, two million people on the news. Two million people lost their homes. And I, and I got up and I went, at first I went, wow, two million people. I thought, well, I'm not in that bunch. Two million may have done it, but that ain't me. I'm in the other bunch. God's people will be all right if you're walking in the light. We have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. Is anybody hearing me? Nothing to fear. If a bomb hit the church tonight, we'd all be going, wow. We'd all just be waving at each other on the way. And then some of you get loose, you know. Some of you, some of you stiff back people, you'd be loose. <laughs> I bet some of y'all start running. You yeah, say, yeah. I don't run in church. Oh, yeah. I bet I, that helps. I, I don't run. I don't run and I don't jump and I don't shout. You jump then. <laughs> Glory to God. We're just having fun. We're, We're having, having fun. fun. <laughs> you know, it's what they said. The dog who screams the loudest is the one that got hit by the rock. <laughs> I don't like that. Wait, okay. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, glory to well, God. This is a different night, isn't it? They've all been different, haven't they? I want to read you a scripture. You know, uh, uh, Ephesians, remember what we read Sunday morning before I read Ephesians? Remember why I read Matthew chapter 16? Remember Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, Who do people say that I am? They said, some say you're John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said, but who do you say that I am? And then Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, you're blessed, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And we see where Jesus was talking to Peter about a revelation of who he is Hallelujah. right out of heaven. And then he began to put the revelation of who he is the revelation of Jesus Christ and who he is can connected it with what God is doing right now because Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again. He actually started a new time, began a new age, you could say, not the age of Aquarius, but it is the church age. And in this church age, all of the, of the power, all of the, the glory, all of the, the greatness of God, which was, was, was targeted in Christ at every, every, the greatest thing that God ever did, the power that was released in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the greatest power that was ever released, he released it right there, and he released it so there could be a demonstration of who he is and what he can do in the face of all the, 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 the despair and hurt and sin of this world. 
He said, I have a witness on this earth to identify who I am and what I can do in the life of anyone who believes that Jesus Christ died and rose again. And he called that witness. He called that, that standard. He called that, that work of his grace, the church. Wow. Wow. And while people are always trying to identify their generation, you know, this is the boomer generation, this is the XYZ generation, this is all these different ideas for who, what the generation is. Well, how can we identify who we are? And what, what, is the, what is it that really sums up the meaning of our life? I mean, you know, whether it's baby boomers or hippies or whatever it is, the generation, they have all these ideas. Identify it with the technical advances. Identify it with how many children. Children are born, identified with all kinds of things. God identifies this generation with what he has done. And he calls that work the church. And while everybody, and many times people begin to, you know, if Colossians, he says, beware of philosophies and vain deceit after the traditions of men and not after Christ. So I always look, you know, well, what is it that builds up the principles of truth that establish who Christ is and what he has done? And with those things that build up those principles, I take a hold of those things and I may use different methods. But if the methods do not reinforce that principle truth, then it's not a method that I'm going with. I don't care how many people on, you know, get, get, you know, how many crowds you draw, how many people you have on TV, whatever it is. I'm not against crowds. I'm not against TV. I'm for them. I mean, Praise the Lord. I mean, we're all for it. But you know, there are, I'm for it, but I'm not for it if I have to give up the preaching of Christ and who he is and what he's done. You understand? There's some things we don't have a, a conversation about. We're not talking, you say, well, we, you know, people don't understand sin, so we can't talk about that. Listen, you know, if you don't talk about sin, then people won't know what to do with the despair and the guilt and the shame that it brings. And so they'll try to find something else to, to, to try to soothe their, their, their soul. And that's why America has one of the greatest uh, numbers, uh, people, more people in America, I think, I forget the amount, amount, but we consume more of the prescriptive medication for, you know, uh, 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 insomnia and, and and, 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 and what do they call it? You know, uh, when people are depression, yeah, and all this, than anybody else in the world. I mean, and it's amazing to me. I mean, you'll hear about, you'll see, watch a television pro, uh, commercial, and, and we got so many commercials about, you know, you see a butterfly flying in, and, and oh, somebody's waking up, and they're stretching, and they're, ooh, I feel good. And they say, what'd you take? Whatever it was, you know, I don't, I don't even know the names of them. And then they'll say, and then they'll go, yeah, you'll wake up feeling fresh, and, and just like a new baby, you know, waking up for a fresh morning. And then it'll say, oh, by the way, if you take this, you might not be able to see when you're 52, and you might... Your heart might quit working and maybe you won't feel your feet when you're about, you know, after you take it for two years. And maybe your kidney might stop, you know, kidneys stop working. But, you know, if you talk to a doctor, they say, well, we'll just see if that happens. We'll give you something for that, too. And all the side effects of all the medications that I'm thinking, you know, all we need is the truth. And the Bible says, if you're my disciples and you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Glory to God. And so we see that a generation is hurting and crying out for someone who can help them see a light in the midst of darkness. And do you believe, I believe that God has a plan 
in and the generation that we have living today is not the boomer generation, the XYZ generation or whatever other generation you want to call yourself. It is the generation of the righteousness, the reign of God's amazing grace that is greater than all our sin and it's put on display as the church functions according to his purpose and plan. Honey, I'll tell you what, it'll make you swing out over hell on a cornstalk and spit in the devil's eye. I mean, it'll make you bold. You might have had six years of nothing but utter despair. But you get a hold of the gospel of Jesus Christ and you can walk into the same home with the same situation. But you're not the same. I want to stir you up to be who God has made you to be. You don't have to try to be someone you're not. But who you are is enough to keep you smiling all the way till you fly away, brother. And so here's Jesus in, here's Jesus in Matthew chapter 16. And literally at a place of transition in his earth walk where he begins to establish the, 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 the significance of his life, his death, burial, and resurrection. He speaks about his death, burial, and resurrection for the first time in that portion of scripture in Matthew 16. The same time he identifies that he will build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want you to notice he does not say the church shall be established on a place where they are going to have to get the victory he said the church he said i will establish it in a place of victory he didn't say we didn't have an enemy but he said the enemy will not prevail that's where we start church that's where we start And any church that is alive with the plan of God is aware of the victory that has been purchased for them through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The more you talk about it, the more you sing about it, the more you, the more you, you, you you know, you just, you just become conscious of it. And the more you make it a way, a, a theme of your, of your, of your life, the more you will be aware of what God is doing in you and the more, the boldness will will be will rise up on the inside of you and in the place where you are afraid you'll begin to sense a a a courage that will come it's called faith in the work of God so as you're reading you know when I you know I mean we we are in our 30th year we 30 in April of, of this year we will be, uh, we will have completed 30 years. Is that right? Yeah, because we started in 78. And now it's 2000 because he's, you know, he's an ex-Catholic uh, college boy. So he will always think about it. Yeah. April of 78 is when we first started. So in April of 08, we will have completed 30 years of ministry. Glory to God. And let me tell you something. You say, well, you hadn't had any disappointments. Oh, listen, I've had many wonderful opportunities. To be disappointed. And I've taken a few of them. You know, you say you had a few tests. Yeah, failed a few. But I took it again. Because I found out something about tests. When you're being, when, when you're, when you're walking with God. Listen to me. When you take, when the devil comes to try, the Bible says in James, he comes to, to the test that comes, the trials come to steal your faith, which is more precious than gold. But I found out something about those tests. They're open book tests. You know what that means? 
You got the answer before the problem showed up. And it doesn't ever change. And once you get that answer, brother, you just go ahead and you write it down. Because you don't need a new script. It's the same answer today, yesterday, forever. It's the same. Jesus has forgiven you of all your sin. He redeemed your life from destruction. You may not know anything, but Jesus died for me. He was buried because of, and, and, and by his burial, he separated me from the very things I had no way out of. And through his resurrection life, he brought about a power that was greater than all the power of the enemy. And now I have been made alive together with him. If that's all you know, he died for me. He was buried and he rose again. You got enough to hogtie every devil you ever seen. If that's all you know, you got enough. Come on, you got enough. Jesus did enough. Actually, he did more than enough. I mean, that's why he's called uh, uh, El Shaddai. He's the, the, the God who's more than enough. I've been saying that a lot lately. You're more than enough. Every day I'm getting up. And I mean, you know, I don't always feel like it. But you'd be a surprise how you can change the way you feel about something as you begin. Was it Philemon 6 says that the communication of your faith becomes effectual as you acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ. One translation, this lady gave it to me. I've got it up a, a plaque on my, my, uh, my, uh, in my, my closet. Every time I go in there, I see it. She says, I pray that everyone you know will catch your faith and learn from you how wonderful it is to live in Christ. Woo! Do you know you can catch faith? Do you know that faith can be, yeah, it can be taught, but it can also be caught. That you can, you say, how do you do that? It has to do with what you say. You know, sometimes we get so upset about what other people say. Ah, did you hear what she said? Did you hear what that, that just makes me mad to think about it. Can you believe that's what they, did you hear what they said about me? And we just talk all, we take all our energy, all our time thinking about what they said. And you know what? You don't get what they say. You get what you say. Mark eleven twenty three says, you will have whatsoever you say. You don't get what they say. Ah, you ain't no good. You ain't no count. You just an old brat. I used to hit, well, we won't talk about that. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, you just, you know, you just don't have, you know, you just, you just, uh, people just, uh, it's amazing the words I hear sometimes people speaking over their children. I'm just amazed. I think, do you not think that matters? I mean, come on, you are the word. You are the only person that they think ma- that what you think matters. And I, I, I just think it's amazing to me what they say over them. And they wonder why they act the way they do. They're just rising to what you expect. But don't you, aren't you glad that even if your mama and your daddy called you ugly, that God calls you accepted. And when he calls you accepted, he's not. He's, the Bible says he has brought you into the place of his favor in the person of his beloved son. So you can walk around. Nobody else might not want to be around you. But you can say, God likes me. He loves me. And he's given me favor. And you start re- becoming aware of the favor God's given you. And you just attract it with other people. And it's not a mind thing. It's not a mental thing. It's a power of the Spirit of God. It's a, it's a redeeming story that contains the power to do what it says. It's not man-made. It's God-made. Yes, 
Come on, church. We got to rise up. We're not here to be quiet. We're here to be heard. We're here to make a difference. We're here to bring light to a dark world. And now Jesus is over and he's in in, in, in Matthew. And he begins to tell them, the gates of hell shall not prevail. Who he is and a revelation of who he is brings a consciousness of the plan of God, the church of Jesus Christ. That brings a consciousness of victory and power over all the power of the enemy. Well, as I read Matthew 16, I began to read another portion of Scripture that is actually what you could say. It is actually, you know, Jesus is talking in Matthew 16. He's kind of giving you a preview of what's going to happen. You understand? He's giving you a preview. He has not yet died and risen again. But he says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he's kind of giving you a preview. Well, then he, you know, he arises, ascends to the right hand of the Father. The Holy Ghost is shed forth. And, you know, the day, the day of Pentecost began a new day called the church age. The dispensation of the Holy Ghost. The dispensation of the grace of God. And now it's a new day, a new time. And time has forever been altered by the work of God in Christ Jesus. But then Paul, uh, uh, who was formerly called Saul... Uh, He becomes born again, a light that shines out of heaven on a pathway where he was going one direction. But the light of God caused a redirecting power in his life. And that light began to shine and he began to have a revelation of who Christ is and all that he is doing. And literally, he wrote, the Bible says, he finished the word of God with a revelation of the church of Jesus Christ. A revelation of the church. Every, every uh, uh, epistle in the New Testament, every epistle is written to the church, it's for the church, and it's about the church. It speaks of who Christ is and what he has done in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the reason it speaks of that is because the church is the product of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you can read all of these scriptures and all of a sudden a consciousness of who you are begins to show up in your life. And you begin to have light about the significance of what it means to be a Christian. You want to know why? Because Christian, you are made for the church. You're made for the church. In other words, your significance as a Christian, the gifts, the ability, the place you have in your generation comes alive as you see your place in the church. As you begin to see your place in the church, a life that's been shattered and empty and and, and hurt and, and literally the devil just tries to make your life null and void. A life that's been abused. You come into the church, you get filled with the very presence of God and the awareness of who Christ is begins to dominate your thought life and a life that had no meaning begins to take on significance that is beyond what any mother daddy could give it. Woo, hallelujah. You might have been an accident down here, but you are not an accident. The Bible says that God has preordained and prearranged a life for you in Christ. Nobody else might have been prepared, but I got news for you. He is. And so I want to show you a portion of scripture now that will just help the understanding of what it means to be the church to get a little bit bit stronger because the strength of your revelation of the church is directly connected to the strength of your revelation of who you are. 
Do you understand me? You could say, well, you know, I just, I, I, you know, the, the number one term to identify a Christian in the New Testament, in the epistles, number one term are the two words in Christ. Number one term in Christ. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. The number one term. You say, what is it about understanding who you are in Christ that's so important? Because it's the work of God in Christ that reestablished who you are, why you are alive, and gives your sin-soaked life free, total, unconditional uh, uh, release from all the penalty of sin. But now listen to me. For you to understand, really understand who you are in Christ, it takes the church. The church. Without the church, your revelation of who you are becomes shallow. Because it's not all about you. It's, not, didn't, it's all about the plan of God and what he is doing through the church. So now watch what he does here because this is the prayer. You could say this is the premier prayer for any Christian to pray. Brother Hagen used to say when he was ministering, he used to say, if you want life to be different for you, if you want life to be different, if you're not happy with the way your life is, he would tell people, I, I challenge you to take this prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, 17 through 20, 23 and pray this prayer over your life at least once a day and do it for six months. And he said, I, if you're not happy with your life, just take this prayer, pray it over yourself every day for six months. And he said, at the end of six months, life will be different for you. You say, why is that? Because this is a prayer about a revelation of who Christ is. And when you see who Christ is, you see everything else differently. Everything else. But it's not just a prayer about who Christ is. It's a prayer about what Christ has done. And watch how he takes this. The same truth that's in Matthew 16 where Jesus said, Peter, God has given you a revelation of who I am and the power that is at work in who I am. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the, tr- the church. The same truth begins to be revealed in this prayer that Paul is praying for the church. Now watch this now. In Ephesians chapter 1, he says it like this. Now watch this. Oh, church, it's not going to be the same. Woo, it's not going to be the same anymore. Some of y'all who cried are going to laugh a lot more. Some of you who frowned are going to smile a lot more. He said in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Well, let me read the verse before that where it says in verse 16. He said, verse 15, I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, your love unto all the saints. I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He's really praying for you. Remember Peter said, uh, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, Uh, God has given you a revelation of who I am. He's praying for you to have a revelation of who Christ is. 
But not a revelation. Listen, he's not praying for God to do something for you. He's praying for you to see something God has already done. Now watch this now. Because I'm telling you, man, I'm just telling you, if this don't light your fire, your wood's wet. I'm just, you know. But aren't you glad if your wood's wet, God can light your fire? That's what Elijah found out. He said, just go ahead and soak that wood because the fire of God can be lit with wet wood. So he prayed for them that they would have, uh, that they would have a, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. Really understand who Christ is and all that he's done. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. And then he begins to say this, that you would know. Watch this now. Because he's not just praying this prayer uh, so that, uh, you know, it, it can, he can just, you know, fulfill, you know, fill up a page, you know, so to speak. He is giving you some, in, some, some divinely inspired Holy Ghost powered words that will cause you able to see differently. And he says this, that you would know the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Watch what it says there. The hope of his calling. Now I understand it changes your calling. But you got to see, you you need to understand it says his calling because if you don't understand that, you'll think it comes from you. But it doesn't come from you. It comes from him. And when you get hooked up with what his calling is, it will give you a calling. But it's really his calling. The foundation is very important. Because if you think it's founded on what you've done, your dreams, your abilities, your talents, when you see a crack in the foundation, honey, you're going to want to move. But you're not going to see a crack in the foundation of his calling. You're not going to see a crack in the foundation of what God has done. Are y'all with me? Listen to this one translation, this paraphrase of Ephesians 1.17. I love this. It says, I pray that you new Christians will understand the mighty position with Christ, which your congregations occupy. Woo! That's what he calls the hope of his calling. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Don't you like that? That's a distilled Bible. He says, I pray that you new Christians, you young Christians will understand the mighty position with Christ, which your congregations occupy. Why are we here? Who determines what our generation is called? What is the significance of our life? He said, if you could only see what Christ has done and the power that is at work in the church, honey, you won't have to be begging anybody to do anything. You'll be looking for a way to hook up. Glory to God, because when you understand what he's doing, it'll change what you're doing. The significant, he goes on, he says, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Oh, he says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power? I mean, it's amazing. You think God, he's just adding these words because, you know, he just is needing to stretch out the page. No, he's trying to find words that are big enough to contain what he sees. And he's talking about you. Listen to me. The exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. And you know, I understand it's toward you. I understand that. But really, if you want to read it like it's written, he says it's toward us. What's he looking at? He's seeing a corporate view. He's seeing a work of his plan, his purpose at work on this earth. And you're a part of it. 
That's why you can see a revelation of, of the exceeding greatness of his power towards you. But it's bigger than just you. It's what God is doing today in his church. It's toward us who believe. And we are greater together than we are alone. We have a part in the plan of God. We have a part to play. That's what gives us significance. But what God is doing is bigger than just you, Bubba. I know you're big, but you're not big enough. It's bigger than just you. He said, then he goes on, he says, the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according. You say, how exceeding great is it? You know, I mean, you can think of things. You think, how big is it? What do you mean? The exceeding great. Exceeding what? What does God, what God did exceed? He said, it's according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ. There's those two words again that help to identify the work of God. He worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand hand in the heavenly places. Now watch. I'm not even, this is not even the amplified. I mean, you know, that's not, you know, my, my pastor said, that's a woman's Bible. You know, we always got to have more words, you know. The amp- <laughs> he said, the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now watch this now. Far above. Okay, far above. Not just a little bit above. It wasn't an overtime victory. It wasn't a squeak through. Let's see if we're going to have to rewatch that. You know, it was a by a nose he made that. No, it was far above. Woo, hot dog. More than enough. Far above. All principality. Now watch this now. All principality, power, might, dominion, Every name that is named, not just in this age, but also in that which is to come. Now, now listen to me. I just want to ask you a question. Does that mean that there is nothing, nowhere, no place that is greater than what God has done in Christ Jesus? Is that what it means? Nothing. I mean, I, I, let me let me just let me just make sure about this. He says, uh, he says, uh, uh, raised from the dead, set in his own right hand, far above all principality. Wonder what that word "all" means. It means all, all principality, power, might, dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, this age but also in that which is to come. Does that sound like you can be anywhere, any place, as long as you've got the work of God's grace in Christ and you are more than a conqueror? Sounds like it to me. Kind of sounds like what Jesus said when he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, watch what, watch what Paul saw here. Watch what he's praying. He said, far above all principality, power, might, dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Now watch this now. Because if it's really true, if it's really true, watch. Watch what God is wanting you to see in order for you to live in the place in your generation. You're not a boomer generation. You're not X, Y, Z, or what was that other one? All kinds of generations. You are the generation of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of the glory of God. Of the grace of God. And he goes on and he says, and he says, and, verse 22, aren't you glad it starts with the word and? That means he has not taken a breath yet. And he, speaking about God, has put... All things, 
word. That's such a big word. Why is it that your life will be different if you pray this over yourself for six months? Because you'll begin to see a, uh, every all of your little issues, you know, all your little deals that you think are so big. They look big until you put them next to what God has done. They look big until they get swallowed up with what God has done. Instead of hanging your head in the back row and looking down because you don't think it's worth your time, you stick your head up and you listen because you know it's the only thing that's worth your time. He put all things under his feet, watch this now, and gave him, speaking of Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church. Watch this now. Because, see, the idea in the world is, well, the church is okay. But, you know, the church is just kind of just a, you know, a social event. And, you know, it's kind of just a deal. We don't really need the church. But if they have to be here, well, we'll put up with them. And, you know, kind of getting to think like that. But watch this now. Listen now. I like what the Message Bible says here. The Message Bible says it like this. The Message Bible says, the church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. You know what that word peripheral means? You, ever, you know the word perimeter, the outer edge, the peripheral? In other words, they want to say that people, the world wants to say, well, the church is peripheral to the world. The world is the center of what's happening. But he says, no, you got to understand, if God has raised up Christ and all power and all principality, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come, he put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head over all things to the church, then the church is not peripheral to the world. That's what I said. The world is peripheral to the church. In other words, the most important decisions being made today are not being made in the White House. They're not being made in the courthouse. They're not being made. I don't know where you think it, the most important decisions. I don't know what you think there might be. They're not being made in the places of the riches of this world. They are being made in the church house. The most important, the decisions that determine which way our generation will go are being made in the church. You know, have you ever thought about it? Sodom and Gomorrah was not destroyed because of sin. They were destroyed because of a lack of righteousness. In other words, the person that determined what happened there was the righteous. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, there was great sin. Yes, there's gross sin. But Genesis chapter 6 says, In the middle of gross darkness, Noah built a boat. And he built an ark to the saving of his soul. He fulfilled the plan of God right in the middle of a dark hour. And Jesus rose from the dead. He went through death, hell, and the grave. I mean, literally stepped over the things that had bound us for all eternity. And he rose up from the grave. And he established his work of grace in the church. Of Jesus Christ. The church is the crowning achievement of the work of God in Christ. We are not an undercover group. We are a city set on a hill. Yes, we are. We are the city set on a hill. We are the light that shines. Listen to me now. Listen. 
I'm telling you, there's a lot of people trying to diminish the place of the local church today. Trying to get us to back off and say, it doesn't really matter. We don't need a pastor. We just need someone who loves God. No, you need a pastor. Because the pastor is the gift that is given. The five ministry gifts, one of them that were given to establish the church and the building up of the church. The importance and the, the, what keeps us from being a rotary club is that we are not sustained by our own uh, resources. We are sustained by the resources of heaven, out of, this, out of heavens, that we are strengthened by his spirit. And we are reinforced and we are led by the gifts that he gave to the church glory to God and we shall be the church that God has called us to be he said I love what uh, this this uh, I was reading reading through some different things hang on here just a second and I I came across this this prophecy about that brother Hagen gave uh, over the church and he said it's not over. It's not over. Oh, we might as well draw and find us a hole and crawl in our cave and get in it. No, it's not over. I heard a voice, a strong voice that is sweet say, I'm not coming after a church that has departed from me. I'm not coming after a church that is weak, emaciated, and untrue. I'm coming after a body of believers that are strong and filled with heaven's dew. A church that's a flame and a fire, healthy both physically and spiritually too men and women who walk in the light of the revealed word men just like you for all that he has spoken and provided to belongs to man today for the new covenant is sealed by his blood and all of its blessings are secure for everyone so don't run away and hide and stick your head like an ostrich in the sand and hope that things will change and go away and tomorrow a better day will be but lift up your heads look up and rejoice speak the word of truth and the mountains that stand between you and victory will dissipate. Look up and speak the word of faith. You are a woman, a man of authority and power. You are a person to whom he has revealed his power. And you have power over the works of darkness and Satan too. So there's no need for you to be overcome. But you shall go out and conquer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I say in this place. Oh, a new word has come. A word of victory and power because of his grace. So no longer speak of the weakness and the fears of yesterday. But all lift up your eyes and lift up your voice and declare God is at work. And he has given me a place this day. A place of power. A place of victory. A place of wonderful working of his grace and glory. And I shall tell it. I shall sing it. I shall tell the gospel story. Amen. Woo, glory to God. I think I might want to run before it's over. There's a movement in this house. Something's moving. Somebody said, I will not, I will not be still. Somebody's just said, I will not. Just like, you know, I heard, I heard Paul Harvey a couple months ago. I was listening to his radio show. We were driving somewhere. And I heard him. It was so interesting. I don't know if any of y'all heard this. He starts talking about the cure for some disease. And he starts talking about, he says, I know there's a person listening to my voice. 
and you have the cure for this disease. I forget what it was, but he said, I'm asking you if you would please identify yourself. I'm asking you if you would please call me because I know you're out there. I know you're out there. And as I was listening to him, I thought, that's the way I believe the Holy Ghost is talking to the church today. I thought he's just wanting people to recognize who they are and begin to make themselves known. I feel like I want to say, I know you're out there. I know that you're out there, the ones that have been called to declare good news to those who are in prison, to tell the ones who have their no sight that they can be free. I know you're out there, but I want to ask you, would you identify yourself? Would you please let it be known? Here I am. I am the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I shall not be moved. Are you out there? Are you there? Hallelujah. I've been anointed with the power of God. The spirit of the Lord is upon me to set the captive free, to open the prison doors and to announce to those who are bound, you have been delivered from the power of darkness. Oh, glory to God. Father, I thank you for the people here in this house who recognize who they are. And with eyes that are open and see all that you, Lord Jesus, yes. all that you purchased through your death, burial, and Blood resurrection. Of our oh, Lord, I thank you that they'll no longer see themselves as beggars or those who are trying to obtain. But they will establish their faith in that which you have done and walk out with their head held up. A new song to sing. Jesus. Jesus. Glory. Hallelujah. Now you see why that pastor, pastor's daughter on the screen said, please send it back. We're craving. One pastor wrote me and she said, I'm, I'm, uh, she and her husband transcribed everything. Sit me seated just for a moment and sent it to every pastor they knew. Not because I think we're so great. But I think the message is. I think it's great. Some pastor called me not too long ago because they know that we're in church with 5,000, we're in church of 4,000, we're in church of 3,000, we're in church of 200. They said, You probably wouldn't come to my church. And I said, Why did you say that? So, well, we, we just have a handful of people. I said, well, do you need us? And he said, yes, ma'am, we do, but I don't think we can afford you. I said, well, how to who told you that? No, I mean, I mean, I know we have to pay our bills. We have mortgages, too, like everybody else. And I'm a prosperity preacher. I believe in prosperity. But I said, sir, if you need us, we'll be there. I'll call one of my rich friends, Denny Beavers, and have him send me to And you understand, God's not moved by need. He's moved by faith. But faith will meet the need. 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 Is there another, another pastor called? It's a very, very large church. So is there any chance you, know, you would come to our church? And I said, sure. We'll come to the church. We'll pray about it and we'll come. 
they say we, 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 there's a, 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 so many calls you know so many calls that are coming in for overseas but you see I still, I still won't leave my country we go overseas a few times a year and we, we try to that's why we try to do a mass thing so we can hit all the leaders one man that comes to our conference is ahead of many many Catholic priests and he's gone in and now started prayer groups in all these Catholic churches we sang at the Rook, and we sang at the Monaco. You know, have you ever heard of Monte Carlo? King. You ever heard that? Anybody heard of Monte Carlo? Yes. We sang in the cathedral there of Monte Carlo. No, no. We sang in the cathedral of the chapel of the Royal Cathedral of Monaco. Of Mon Monaco. Monte Carlo is in Monaco. That's right. But you guys understood what I mean. And so... Um, Just trying to help you out. Yeah, help me out, sister. And um, yeah, it, it's so funny because... Because... Um, uh, you know, Lois is a great teacher, but when I first met her, she wouldn't say three words on the platform. I did all the teaching. Uh, she was a bartender, and I was a dance. I was singing for the dance show in Nashville, Tennessee. And um, I know some of y'all still think we do. We still we're, bartend. We're singing we're still for, the singing the for the dance show, right? <laughs> we're serving new wine, and we're dancing, turning our morning into dancing. <laughs> I love it, and. Um, I asked my mother once, she's 85, and she's, you know, Southern Baptist Jew, Pentecostal. And I asked her once, and I said, Mom, I said, do you think we're too wild for, for older people? She said, good night. No, if they have a problem with you, they just have a problem. <laughs> oh, she's so funny. And um, I said, well, I, I, you know, I love them, and I want to, you know, I don't want to offend anyone. She said, no, just throw in an old hymn. They'll be okay. And... Uh, <laughs> so that's why I like to do hymns. No, I love hymns. But uh, and uh, when we were there, you know, singing in, in Monaco, the priest, the head priest of Monaco, the royal priest, he got up and he said, he, he was just, he was overwhelmed. Now, one of the old priests, elderly gentleman who was real, you know, this guy was a young priest. He was ready for something new. But one of the elderly priests walked out on me singing. There is a fountain filled with blood in French. Couldn't stand it. But the new priest said, we need all of Monaco to hear Actually, this. it was the head priest. And what he, he was the head priest. He said, we need all of Monaco. Do he's you know the one that invited us not only once, but we came back We twice. have a standing invitation to go back there. That we're, we that we know of in the history of Monaco, that we know of. Now, you know, I'm, I'm not lying. I'm just saying that we know of. We're the only evangelical group to be invited that was okayed by the royal government and the royal priest. Because many of them went in there. Several went in, but they weren't, they weren't authorized. We were. When we were, we in were some Monaco, of the first women to Monaco. Yes, go ahead. When we were in Monaco, that we had a, a, a thing, that, a placard that we had in our vehicle that we were in that gave us access to the the Royal Cathedral in the Catholic Church because of the, the, the priest had also authorized that we were could be there and the government. So it was it was pretty amazing. And there were all these kings and princesses and princes. No, there were all these caskets, you know, these around. No, it. not caskets. Well, they're I mean, buried it, in the ground. They're buried in the ground, but you know how you Princess lay on top Grace, and there's you know. a, you know, this all gold, you know, and there's a crown there. And, and Daisy Osborne had prophesied that we'd be before kings and, pre, you know, kings and queens and stuff like that. And I told Lois, I said, I didn't know they'd all be dead. Yeah. You got to have a sense of humor to stay in the ministry, just That's let right. me tell you. And uh, I mean, for sure. Take what God's doing real serious, but 
don't take yourself all that serious. And 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 so and then we were the first women to speak in the only the time we were there, the only theological Pentecostal seminary at that time was in Brussels. That's before some of the Raymond churches and that's before that's you know, we were some of the pioneers for, for faith in Europe. But we went in not telling you know, not going so well, we're hot dogs. We just went in going just singing a few songs about Jesus. We love you, we love Jesus. Because we wanted to win their hearts. You know? Because we ain't hot dogs anyway. As, you, you, as you've seen us for three services, we ain't all that. And so uh, uh, we're just, you know, people obeying the Lord full of God's power. And so we were the first women to speak in the theological school, the seminary. And the man, I said, sir, uh, I said. President of the, the school. president of the school because a, 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 a woman who was in her 79, she went as a missionary over there to teach music. And she said, now, Cindy, I can get you in that school. But you got to act right and keep your mouth shut. And I said, yes, ma'am, I know how to do that. Because, you know, I was raised in the Baptist church. I know how to sit quiet and, and not do anything, you know. And so uh, I said, yes, ma'am, I'll do that. I'll, I'll be very good. That's how I won over many of the pastors there because they had never had women in their pulpit until we came. Did you know that? Is that amazing? Is that amazing? And I kept thinking, Lord, sin, you know, Send one of those little prayer women. So Lois and I are just in your, in your face. Send someone who's not so much like us. And the Lord said, I know who I'm sending. Because see, there was a time when they were ready for us to go blah. You understand? We were just winning their hearts. And so I sat there before we started to minister, and he said, I said, sir, I said, Lois can teach. I said, but I understand that women are not. Are not allowed to teach here. I said, Do you want us to set up the songs we sing? Because at that time we weren't singing in French. And he said, He was got real quiet, and I thought, Boy, I have blown this. I've, you know, in my back mouth, I shouldn't have said anything. He looked at me and he said, You know, he said, Women are asking me how I can be in the ministry. And I said, I think it's time we had an example. Why don't you women take your liberty? Well, we didn't take our liberty, but Lois did share, and I did pray. 26 nations. First time they have a woman, women to speak and preach so that the women can see. And not because I care that we're women. I mean, I'm just, I happen to be one, but it's not a big deal to me. I mean, I just, I'm a witness. Do you testify to tell the truth, the whole truth, you have nothing but your truth, so help you guys? Yes, I do. I always say, I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help, help me, God. God. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just amazed at how many first that, that we, we that the Lord took us into because we were music. The music was only a vehicle. But we knew that. We knew that. I'm telling you, I don't care what they say on TV. I don't care what's going on. There are people all over the world just like us. Just like us. Strong. They're preaching everywhere. They're in cubby holes. They're in caves. They're all over the world, man. We're everywhere. <laughs> We're everywhere. We're everywhere. I'm telling you, we are. They're rising up. Bands of believers. So you guys, I'm just telling you a little bit of what, because pastor wants to receive an offering. I just want you to know what you're giving to. We're not sitting at home, you know, sipping lemonade, eating bonbons on the front porch. You understand what I'm saying? In fact, in fact, I don't know when's the last time we've been able to sit at home eating bonbons, sipping lemonade. Because we can do that in heaven throughout eternity. We've got a job to do.
We hope you've enjoyed this message by Lois Toucher and Cindy Duvall of Shekinah Glory Ministries. For more information about Shekinah Glory, log on to our website at www.shekinahglory.com. There you'll find our entire catalog of teaching materials, music CDs, and books, all available for online purchase. The website also offers our daily devotional, updates from the road, and our ministry itinerary so you can pray for us as we travel throughout the United States and overseas. You can also join our mailing list in order to receive regular newsletter updates of ongoing ministry projects. Thank you and God bless you for your support of Shekinah Glory Ministries. We couldn't do it without you. Truly, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall fill all the earth. This is Ray Toucher, speaking for Shekinah Glory Ministries. Thank you and God bless you.